What's going on, guys? Chris Mead back for another episode of My Biggest Lessons. I'm here with my boy Connor Renton, founder of Boost Bear. What's up, bro? How are you, man? Happy to be on the pod. You've been crushing, and I'm happy to check in with you, man. It's been a while. Doing good, dude. Back in Miami. I just got back from a nice 2023 line review meeting for Dick Sporting Goods. So nice to be back home. Yeah, yeah you got the private walk around the factory and all that. <laughs> you saw that, yeah. Saw that. Funny. Boy, yeah. Well, thanks for coming on. I want to start. We've known each other now a year, year and a half. Yeah, a year and a half. Yeah, around, yep. You gave me the best LinkedIn DM, cold DM of all time to get me invested in your company. I want you to tell the listeners a little bit about that because I it was fantastic. And I think a lot of people listening are either A, raising money or just want to get in touch with cool-ass people. Not that I'm mm-hmm. a cool-ass person. But uh, how did you do that and what was the thought there? Man, like I think first of all, people like really underestimate the power of cold anything, cold email, cold phone call, cold DM on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. But yeah, I mean, I think it was early or... Yeah, it was late 20, 2019. And I was like, man, I got to start posting on LinkedIn. I'd seen a lot of people on LinkedIn, like yourself, your brother, people just absolutely crushing it. And I was like, hey, I have I have a story to tell and I want to get my life out there as well. So I'm just going to post consistently. Posting consistently introduced me to like a lot of cool people like yourself, Greg, Erica Rankin, Aaron at Hush, like a lot of cool people. Yeah, I think I saw that you were looking for new like income streams and way to like diversify yourself. And I was like, I have the perfect product for you pre-launch. We have some things going on, but I figured you guys were like the perfect people to hit about, about Boost Bear. And yeah, I made sure I had a deck ready. I, I think like a big thing is that you always want to give value when you're doing that. Like you don't just want to be like, Hey, let me work for you. Or Hey, let me do this. You want to be like, yo, Chris, I have this awesome product. If you have five minutes, let's run it. And like, we'll talk about it. So yeah, that's what we did. I, I sent you a, a DM on LinkedIn and we hopped on a meeting and been working together ever since. Yeah. So for, for people that don't know, Boost Bear, what is it? When's it coming out? Yeah. What the yeah. hell is it? So Boost Bear is the world's first protein packed, like actively better for you candy. Austin, my co-founder and I, big into the gym, big into eating. Sometimes we out eat what we can lift. I think a lot of people do that. And we're like, man, we love candy, but there's low calorie candies and there's candies that are like, just you're basically like you're eating air because it's all like sweeteners and artificial, like everything. So we were like, how can we make a candy that's actively better for you? Like we're not just eating empty calories. That's like the buzzword that everyone throws around. How can we actively like gain from this crazy candy addiction that we have? And uh, we came up with Boost Bear. So it's been a long story. Like we connected over a year ago. Before that, we were doing it for about a year and a half through R&D and manufacturers and everything. But yeah, one of the world's first better for you candies. We're on TikTok now. We are supposed to launch in about two to three months, depending on a few things, but this summer we're going live. So let's go. I'm so excited. It's been a long time coming. As somebody who's been behind the scenes, you guys have gone from candy manufacturer to candy manufacturer for somebody starting a food and beverage like product right now. What's something you've learned that you're like, fuck, I wish I knew this? Yeah, no, you've seen it. And I think you've had like a really good insight into what we deal with on the day to day. But yeah, for some context, Austin and I, my co-founder, we started it just in our kitchen. We quickly realized that we definitely needed some support there. Hired a really great food scientist. We've been really at it ever since. 
we got to the point where we were ready to take it to manufacturing, but that's a whole other process. Once you go from building it on a small bench top to like the huge industrial beakers and containers and all that stuff, it's, it's a much different story. Our biggest issue was that because we're not just a private label product, we're not just like a few tweaks and changes. It's a completely different formula, different process. None of the big manufacturers wanted to take us on at all because we were a little bit different. We didn't really fit that circle into their square hole that they could provide. A lot of them, if not all of them, wanted to just private label us with a low sugar gummy or something that they already had in the pipeline. And we thought about it, honestly, because it took, like you said, it, it it's taken a long it's time. It's been a while. <laughs> it's taken a long time, but you know we have such a strong product. We finally decided that, okay, we're maybe not going to be able to work with the biggest manufacturer, even like maybe the most medium sized manufacturer. So we really had to dig and find someone that would honestly take a chance on me and Austin and the work that we'd done and the product that we had, the following that we'd built. And that's what we did. So we ended up finding like a more mid to small size manufacturer. A lot of people that I've spoken to have had the same issues. Like Midday Squares had the exact same problem. That's why they started their own manufacturing facility in the first place. But yeah, it's it's been like we've spoken to probably 40 to 50 manufacturers actively worked with four now where we've even gotten to the point of samples happening, moving on to the line and then issues. For example, we used to work with this manufacturer in California. We got all the way to pricing, macros, everything locked in. We did a first like test run and like they decided that we couldn't fill in their line. It was foaming too much. So we had to go all the way back to the start, find a new manufacturer. It's been, it's been a, a huge battle and journey, but it, it's been worth it so far. So it's frustrating. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm so excited for the launch. Going going back to that, right? Like, you spend so much time with manufacturing, but we we both know it's a a few email threads, it's a few phone calls, and then there's a few days where it's super labor intensive, and the rest is sitting around waiting yep. for good news. How pre-launch? What do you spend your time with, and what are things that you're like, damn, I really wasted my time with? Because I I think back to the CrossNet days. There's so many spreadsheets and lead yeah. lists and things I made and like plans that just, bro, I wasted so much time doing stupid shit that just yeah. never amounted to anything. What are things that you found that you wasted your time with and things that are actually being productive pre-launch? Because there's only so much you could do when you're not making money. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's been like a big struggle. Like Austin and I have, we did raise like a small family friends round, which, which you're a part of. So we did raise that, but I mean, the majority of it has been like funded by me and Austin with like our other, like our other jobs really, and other things, other activities and activations and things that we've done. So yeah, I mean, we've done a lot. Like we shot a $10,000 promo for a product that was initially vegan. It's no longer vegan. We've done bags after bags after bags and designs and boxes and like the whole nine yards. Like we've really done it all. And, you know, we've been doing it for so long. And like you said, we can't like, people always ask me like, okay, how can I help? We can't just like go into the factory and start like chipping away at stuff. We're, we're waiting for our manufacturers to do what they have to do. And that's been really frustrating. But I mean, in the meantime, like we have done a lot, like we've wasted a lot of time. I don't know. I think all of it's learning, honestly. I, I don't know if I would change too much. We made a point to always be doing something. And while we've wasted a lot of time, we've also learned a lot. Like we made a point to fail as often as we could because it meant that we were being uncomfortable, we're putting ourselves in uncomfortable situations and we're learning and growing. So we've done a lot where we maybe it was a learning exercise, but having put all that behind us, 
pre-launch, it's made us so much more prepared for when we actually do launch. Like we know exactly what needs to happen, when it needs to happen. We've recently like grown our TikTok out. We've experimented. We've done a lot where, yeah, like all the failures, all the things that happened in the back end have just prepared us for where we're at now. And I think when me and you met initially, if we were to launch then versus if we were to launch when we're planning in two to three weeks, it's like, or two, three months rather, we're worlds apart. Like we're much more prepared now. No, absolutely. The one thing that's been super captivating about Boost Bear has been the TikTok, right? You only, as somebody who is launching new games all the time and knowing when I only have one or two samples to use and I need to create content, I know you guys only have so many gummy bears to create content around, but your TikTok has gone viral, like absolutely viral to the fact that I think your TikTok is even bigger than CrossNets now, which is pretty pathetic for me, but also <laughs> super congrats for you. Like, you. talk to me about that strategy. Like, what yeah. is working there? How the hell are you doing it? And like, what's the, how much yeah. time are you dedicating to it? Yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to like what I said before. I mean, it's such an organic, like true story that that Austin and I have gone through. Like when we say we spoke into 50 manufacturers, like that's, there's no line going on at all. Like when we say we tried hundreds of samples and have thrown up samples and have spit samples out and like, it's all, it's all legit. So I think we've done a really good job at, at capturing that. We noticed some brands that were doing it really well. And again, I'm gonna shout out midday squares again, but it's really like the Gary V model. It was always like, let's document what we're doing. Even if we don't publish the content, like me and Austin are only now posting videos that we filmed three years ago. So I think we've done a really good job at capturing sort of the struggle, like in, in like, especially today, I think everyone like glorifies like the quick come up, but people really do resonate with like the long term. It's been three years. We've like been kicked in our ass like a million fucking times. And then, you know, it's also in part two is we do a really good job at hooking our audience in like we're, we're doing a video right now about, about you, about how we got Forbes 3030 final and finalists not finalists like winners i don't champions. know i don't even know what they call it yes, exactly so but <laughs> we like we do a really good job at, at hooking and we get a good hook always every video first four to six seconds especially like the way that, that like the clickbait culture all the attention spans being very low we do a really good job at having like the actual meat on the back end like the great story but we also make sure that we don't just put the story out flat we make sure we like build like a beginning middle and end and we hook you right away that's been something in part with the actual grind that we've like captured all these years that has made us i think super successful yeah no absolutely i mean the clickbaity stuff the views don't really mean shit if you don't make money off of it right yeah. like what's the what's the plan to, how are you going to leverage tiktok to, to make money yeah no it's a good point so initially we actually were way closer before and Again, every time we have a setback, anytime we recently have been experiencing some like pretty crazy supply chain issues. So one of our main ingredients is a protein, which is like the best protein I've ever seen. It's super clean. It's complete everything. But the supply chain has been a nightmare. So we actually were closer before. And you know this also because we've spoken about it. We were ready to go, which is why we finally made the decision to like launch our TikTok. We're like, okay, we've tasted this product. It's amazing. We're ready to go. So we started launching on TikTok with the idea of pushing to our wait list and the pre-sale list eventually. That changed a little bit since we've experienced some like supply chain issues. But yeah, essentially... We want to pre-sell as much as we can. We were initially going to launch with Kickstarter, but with the audience we gained organically, I think when we hit about like 10,000 followers on TikTok, we're like, why would we even 
take the Kickstarter out when they take a fee and it's their audience and their platform when we can just yeah. get the customers directly from our link. And that's what we've done. So we, we built up an email list of around 20,000 so far. That email list has been nurtured and we can do a better job of that, I think. But that is essentially going to be your ticket into getting Boost Bear for the first time when we launch. What's the TikTok followers up to right now? We're at 75,000. And that's in like a month and a half of posting? Under, two yeah, months. yeah, it was really under a month. Our, our highest video has 6 million views. Our next highest has 2 million views. And like to anyone listening who thinks like, oh my God, these guys must have like a crazy production, like a crazy budget. This is yeah. literally, it's all iPhone. Like everything we've ever shot is all iPhone. Now, granted, we've done like the $10,000 video that we haven't even posted. That was production. But everything you see on our TikTok is captured like literally right off Austin and Rye's phone. That's so, so sick. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy, dude. It's been a fun journey. I mean, one thing we've been doing internally for TikTok, and I know we talked a little bit about it, is having content creators on staff creating their own dedicated TikToks. Has mm-hmm. that been going well for you guys or no? Like I know you, like Boost Bear Connor, Boost Bear Austin. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think we have such a huge advantage, the position that Austin and I are in. And we've talked about this. We're like, what if like Haribo does a protein gummy? I think Austin and I have a such a huge advantage in the market because people know like we're behind the camera. They know that we're the founders. Like we have a very unique point. If we were to post a video about protein candy versus if a marketing intern was to post a video about protein candy, yeah, have a much higher reach. People resonate with us more because they know that like we're the ones involved. And I think we've seen that with like Logan Paul's prime and like anytime a celebrity actually gets behind a brand and does it the right way, like Mr. Beast does a good job as well. When they're synonymous with the brand, it's super cool and it's super interesting. And uh, that's what we've really like tried to push as much as possible. We want to get to the point where we're almost like creator slash influencers. And that's the role that me and Austin take in the company as as, in addition to being a founder and a CEO and operator and all that stuff. No, it works um, well. I mean, it, it gets you into those places, gets you that press, it gets you on the podcast. Yeah. I've, I mean, I'm nowhere close to that for CrossNet, but I think I've done a, a pretty damn good job of being yeah, a public yeah. figure to to get me to where I'm at. Your your previous company did a lot of wholesale stuff. I remember you telling me about that. What's your thoughts on wholesales these days, like with this company? Is it try to get into wholesale right away or do you want to wait? Like those connections yeah. are right there for you. Yeah. I mean, one thing I learned and w- was like a really big eye opener me for me was I thought if I could land a large wholesale account, like for my old company, we landed an account with Loblaws in Canada. It was like over a thousand stores. It was, it was huge, but I thought that that was like the be all end all. And what I didn't realize was that just because you get that account doesn't mean you get good placement. Doesn't mean you get love or people are going to buy your product or anything. I remember going into the store for the first time and being super hyped expecting like this magnificent like end cap like right by checkout and walking and like searching for i kid you not like 45 minutes to find my product and it was like in the back like uh, uh, dusty or not even like out at all which we experienced so i think with boost bear we sort of have like a use case with the TikTok where we've built a good following, like an active following. And the idea there really is before we go into wholesale, before we even go retail, we want to make sure that when we do get to retail, first of all, we can command it because we say, hey, we have 200,000, 300,000, 400,000 followers and across all our platforms, whatever. 
but also people are excited to go buy it. So that was huge. Yeah. I remember when that happened, I was like, oh my God, I'm, I made it. Like I'm done. Like it's over. And yeah, that was a rude awakening for sure. So Absolutely. yeah, we want to make sure that we, we command and own a, a proper audience before we do any type of wholesale or retail, any of that. No, that's a smart move. That's like, that was a big lesson for us. And even with our new company, Good Sport, that we're launching, like we could get into retail in the first 90 days if we want, but being out of the cash on a net 60 or net 90 terms of the retailer to start yeah. your business is like, that's crippling. You guys yeah. are already hemorrhaging money, like just to launch, let alone putting yourself in that negative position. So I think yeah. that's a really good move. And we, I get asked that all the time is like, when do I start retail? And you can't start retail unless you have the cash in the bank to take that risk and forego that money for six months. 100%. 100%. And yeah, I see it all the time. Like, it seems like that's the end goal, but the reality is, like, shipping is getting better. Like, 3PLs are popping up all over the place. Like, you can get your product to customers in, it used to be just Amazon. Now, like, you can get your product to a customer in a day, two days without Amazon at all. So, I think things are changing. I think it's only going to get better and better and better for D2C e com owners. So, we're super pumped there because, yeah, like, we can control the whole process, like, the way you get your product, the unboxing experience. Like, there's no, like, me not sure how you're going to receive my product because when we go into the store, it's like dusty and looks like shit. It's like, I know if I send it to you with, our box and like a thank you card and like we you can control that to a t and uh, yeah and like you can also drive like higher average order values and all that stuff as well so that's what i'm super excited about when we launch is to see how that translates also to know that like we have like such amazing partners and the story and everything that i'm just super excited to, to get out there and, and see how it goes for myself with the, the jumping into d2c again but um, yeah yeah, I'm super I'm pumped. For you. I'm Last question for you before okay. we wrap up. My biggest lesson. What is the one thing that you wish you would have told yourself oh, three years man. ago, two years ago? That's tough. One thing. I, I mean, I definitely have a lot. One thing, I'll answer this in two parts. I think the first part, when we got that Loblaws order initially, we had been in other retailers. We had our own forecasts and everything. And when we got into Loblaws, I ended up, so we got our PO, whatever, we got into the store. And the forecasting I used was the forecasting that we had in another retail store. I wanted to make sure that we could get the next order to them as soon as possible. So just being like, not sure, or just being like inexperienced, I, I went ahead and actually ordered like a whole other PO on the fact that they were gonna sell through the exact same way that like every other store had sold through in the past. Little did I know that, the placement was ass and no one gave a shit about the product. And it was a much bigger store and different market and, and all that stuff. So I remember like ordering like 50,000 units without ever having like a proper plan to move them. And I think the next PO we got was for like 5,000 units. And to this day, I still have 20,000 units in my parents' garage in Oakville, Ontario, Canada, that I don't know what to do with. So if anyone watching this wants to pick those up off me, you're more than you're, you're more than welcome to. But yeah, I think don't count your ducks until they've hatched and until you've signed on the dotted line. And like, I think it's super easy to like, just get ahead of yourself and get excited. But one thing I'm trying to do is just is breathe and take a second. And I think like this, the hustle culture, like, the five mentality wants people to like, just go, go, go all the time. But in reality, like you have to be calculated every move you make, like you can't just be willy nilly about it. And then the second answer to that would be 
I wouldn't change anything because like I said, everything I've done for the past like seven, eight years of my like business career of what I've been doing has like led me to where I'm at now. And I'm in such a better spot now than I would be if I hadn't made any of those mistakes. So like I said earlier, like when I was like just graduating university, I was like, I want to make as many mistakes as possible while I'm young. And while I don't have, I'm not tied down, I don't have a huge mortgage. I don't have a wife, this, whatever. I wouldn't change anything. Like the mistakes I've made have helped me learn so much and have accelerated like my growth as like an entrepreneur, but also a human like 10 X. So yeah, I mean, as, as shitty as mistakes are and don't make them again, if you make them once, you're going to be better off. Honestly, if you can recover from it, pick yourself back up and, and take it, it'll take you where you need to go if you keep making those mistakes and, and fix them on the way. I love it, man. I'm so proud of you. I'm so excited for Boost Bear. Uh, you, you're you're hungry. You're scrappy. I know you're going to be Very on nice. that Forbes 30, 30 list. There's just so many, the, the sky's the limit for y'all. And I'm so excited for Boost Bear. So excited for you. Thanks for sharing your lessons today and jumping on the pod. Anytime, dude. Six months after launch, I'm back and we're going to talk. We're going to talk numbers. Exactly. Let's do it. Cool. All right, brother. Cheers. Thank you. So that's another episode of My Biggest Lessons. Each and every week, I'll be having one of my favorite entrepreneurs come on, share their stories, their mistakes, the things they wish they knew. Entrepreneurship's a lonely road, right? You only learn by getting better. You only learn by making mistakes. So I want them to come on and share their stories. If you have somebody in mind that you want on, drop a comment, subscribe, share with a friend. Let's get the best people in the world on here. Thanks for listening.